This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. It's Monday the 9th of January. In your Squiz today, China throws open the doors, Russia ends a ceasefire, WA battles its worst ever floods, and a right royal memoir. This is your Squiz today. Siobhan, it's our first day back with the Squiz today. I'm so excited to kick off 2023. Yeah, Happy New Year, Alice. I'm also very excited and raring to go. Yes, let's get straight into it. China ended almost three years of pandemic restrictions when it opened its international border yesterday. It comes two weeks ahead of Lunar New Year celebrations and two billion people are expected to travel in, out and around the country over the next 40 days as people travel to be with family members. And what happened yesterday means those returning to China won't have to undergo two weeks of isolation. Yes, but it does also come as COVID infections continue to surge across China after authorities suddenly relaxed their stringent zero-COVID policy late last year. Now, that came after those widespread protests that we discussed quite a lot last month, when it seemed that people, frankly, had just reached their limit with COVID lockdowns. Now, some countries, including Australia, have expressed concern about the current health situation and, as a result, have introduced mandatory pre-departure testing for travellers from China. But that hasn't stopped some Chinese Australians spending as much as $6,000 for an economy plane ticket just to get back to China for that holiday. And you mentioned the rising COVID cases, Siobhan. China says only a handful of people are dying across the country each day. The government's official death toll for the entire pandemic stands at just over 5,000 people. Yeah, that is what the officials claim. But the World Health Organization says that's extremely unlikely, given that China has the world's largest population of over 1.4 billion people. And reports say the virus has really taken off. Now, for context, Australia's death toll is around 17,300, and we've got just 26 million people. So in reality, experts think as many as 9,000 people in China are dying every Every day, and that could rise to 25,000 as that rush of tourists that you mentioned move in and out of the country. And that would mean that deaths would hit about 1.7 million by April. And that is spelling more pain for China's medical system because the infections have also gone up dramatically and hospitals have been swamped with infected patients since those restrictions started to ease. And while we're talking COVID, officials have confirmed that a new Omicron subvariant has emerged. Its technical name is XBB.1.5, but it's been dubbed the Kraken. And it's reached 28 countries so far, including Australia. It's set to become the dominant strain, and the World Health Organization says it's the most transmissible subvariant to date. But the experts say we can deal with it like we have the variants of the past. Russia's broken its own ceasefire in Ukraine over the weekend, Siobhan. 
President Vladimir Putin announced the temporary truce last week to allow for Orthodox Christmas celebrations on Saturday, but it didn't last long. Yeah, so the promise was that Russian frontline troops would stand down for 36 hours from Friday to midnight on Saturday. But they began shelling several regions in Ukraine's east and south, which left at least two Ukrainian civilians dead. It didn't come as much of a surprise to Ukrainian and Western authorities, though, because they had already expressed scepticism about the legitimacy of Putin's ceasefire announcement. And Russia's actions during the war will be put under the microscope scope in March. The UK and the Netherlands are hosting an international meeting in London. They'll be talking about both financial and practical support for the International Criminal Court. That's investigating allegations of Russian war crimes in Ukraine. Siobhan, it won't be news for any of our WA listeners, but the state's suffering its worst ever flooding. Remote communities in the Kimberley region have been devastated after Tropical Cyclone Ellie hit last week. Yes, it seems there's no rest from floods after Cyclone Ellie, as you say, inundated the Fitzroy River. Now, to give you an idea of the amount of water flowing through there, reports say it has ballooned to 50 kilometres wide at some points and reached a record peak of 15.8 metres at Fitzroy Crossing and at the small Indigenous community of Nuncumbar. Now, as conditions eased on Saturday, emergency services and the Defence Force were finally able to to land in Fitzroy Crossing, which is about 400 kilometres east of Broome, and provide people with essential supplies. More than 100 people have been evacuated, but that number could still grow as several towns are still on flood watch over the next few days. And towns in New South Wales and SA also continue to struggle. The far west New South Wales town of Menindee is preparing for a peak above the 1976 flood record of 10.47 metres. And in SA, the river town of Manham's Main Street has been submerged by floodwaters. It's a fresh year and there's more royal family drama making headlines, Siobhan. (laughs) Less than a month since Netflix released its Harry and Meghan documentary series, the Duke of Sussex's memoir called Spare has been leaked before its official publication date. Yes, never a dull moment, Alice. (laughs) So Spare is officially set to hit our shelves this week, but the people of Spain have been given a sneaky preview as bookshops there started selling at several several days before the official global publication day. And nobody knows how it happened. It just did. (laughs) Now, of course, that started a race among media outlets and commentators to try and translate the book. And so already we have heard about some of the big revelations. Now, they include that Harry killed 25 Taliban fighters in Afghanistan, used several illegal drugs during his life, including at Courtney Cox's house, and that he lost his virginity in a field behind a pub. (laughs) Now, that is not the end of it. He's also taken part in two TV interviews, both of which claim to have exclusive bombshells which are going to air today. Yeah, Britain's ITV will show an interview with Harry talking to his journo friend Tom Bradby. In the trailer for that, he says he saw a red mist descend on brother Willie when they had a physical fight in 2019. And he's also on America's 60 Minutes. So keep an eye out for more Harry and Meghan related headlines today. 
This one goes out to all the pasta lovers out there, Siobhan. A couple of students at a UK university have decided to test a suggestion from Nobel Prize winning physicist Professor Giorgio Parisi. As people feel the bite of rising costs of living, he suggested a controversial way to cook pasta and save on costs. Yeah, so he suggests turning off the heat midway through cooking the carby goodness and covering it with a lid, which really allows the residual heat to finish the cooking process, thereby cutting your fuel costs. Now, of course, it sparked a heated debate among (laughs) foodies. And I have to say, I'm with Michelin-starred chef Antonello Colonna, who doesn't think that the pasta would come out al dente. Instead, it'd be a bit soggy. Yes, he reckons the method will leave the pasta rubbery and he says it would never be served at his restaurant. So it sounds like there's only one thing left for us to do. Woe is me. I'll have to do some pasta cooking experiments at home. All (laughs) in the name of science, Alice. Before we go, I should tell you that we've been keeping an eye on the news over the last couple of weeks. And if you need a very quick recap on what's gone down, I'll pop a link to that in your episode notes. Yeah, I think there's going to be more than a few people faking it till they make it today. So we are here and happy to help. Absolutely. And that's it from us today. We're stoked to be back. We'll be back with you again tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.